It is Friday, October 8th here at Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 5 DraftKings podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaaf. With me again are Jared Smola and Mitch Carl of TeamRiserFall.com. This podcast is sponsored by our partners at Fanshare Sports. Fanshare curates hundreds of pieces of daily fantasy sports-related articles, tweets, and podcasts to create the most accurate ownership projections in the industry. Those projections can be found in the lineup generator on DraftSharks.com, and you can find up-to-date ownership info anytime at FanshareSports.com. Mitch, it's nice to have you back with us after a couple of weeks of life kind of dictating otherwise. I know first it was my travel, then some illness around your house. I won't get too personal, but just tell me, is your family in better shape right now than the Atlanta Falcons? Yeah, thanks for asking, man. And I think many of our families are in better shape than the Atlanta Falcons right now. So all systems go. Thank goodness we don't have to worry about those Falcons and setting these main slate lineups. And that's what we're talking about here is a week five main slate. Jared, what are we looking at as we get into the first position at cash QB? What do you like? Well, there's a lot of teams in rough shape. And I'm, I'm still trying to like digest all the injury news that we got today. Um, there was a lot of a lot of surprising stuff for me, at least. I, was, you know, I, I had four quarterbacks in mind for cash originally. I'm, I'm knocking out Trey Lance now with George Kittle likely out. Um, obviously a big weapon in the passing game. Also probably the best blocking tight end in the NFL. So I think that's going to potentially hurt Trey Lance's rushing production as well. Um, I'm kind of getting gun shy on Dak Prescott as well, who I was considering uh, like this morning too, but uh, Amari Cooper, I'm worried about him. You know, if, if he's going to be limited in this game, uh, he's listed as, as questionable. So for me, for cash, it's going to be uh, Jalen Hurts at 7,000 um, bucks. You know, the matchup isn't ideal on the road against Carolina, but man, he's just been, so good in fantasy he has 21 plus dk points in all four games so far this season he's averaging 26.8 per game um, so it's either jalen hurts at 7,000 or kirk cousins uh mitch's boy at 6,500 bucks um you know he, he gets the lions that's kind of all you have to say um and with delvin cook either out of this game or limited um you know that might just push minnesota to pass it a bit more yeah, Mitch, I feel like maybe you should be cranking purple at this point, like our pal Crack Rock, uh, a different kind of purple here. What do you? What's looking good to you at Cash QB this week on DK? Yeah, I'm sitting at Jalen Hurts as well. You know, we're talking about a guy who, in his four starts last year, 25 points per game. He's just a hair above that in 2021. I kind of feel at some point this is just whom he's going to be, whether he throws the ball a bunch or not. He's just got that safe rushing floor, which is something we always look for in cash games. We're not having to worry about stacking him with anybody. We don't even really necessarily care about how good or bad the defense is across from him because we know that running quarterbacks, they're going to get theirs no matter what. So while I am interested in Daniel Jones, I'm probably going to slide him over to the GPP side, and I'll talk about that in a hot second. But Jalen Hurts right now, currently my cash game target. Yeah, I'll go ahead. I, I, I'm not sure I can spend up to 7K for a cash QB myself because then I start building the rest of my lineup and I start feeling bad about the wideouts and the running backs I have to choose from to fill that thing out. So we'll see. Once I start building, maybe I'll change my mind. But for now, my focus is going to be on Kirk Cousins, 6,500, Daniel Jones at 6K, depending on how much I need that $500 in spending. Both of these guys are playing well. Uh, they both rank among the top nine in PFF passing grades so far. Jones, I agree. I look at him at first and I'm like, I don't know. Do I trust Daniel Jones in a cash game? But uh, the Cowboys are playing better on defense, but they've also allowed every opponent to attempt at least 39 passes so far. Every opponent is top 300 yards passing. So Daniel Jones, I think when you add in the rushing upside, he can have 
a rough game, which he hasn't really been having so far like he did last year. And he can have a rough game and still deliver enough points for us here. So I feel good enough about him. But uh, Mitch, why don't you talk about uh, Jones now for the GPP side? Yeah, I mean, with Daniel Jones, you never feel comfortable with him. And honestly, that was the only thing that kept him from being my cash game selection this week. As I often hear looking for someone who's going to run the football, they're a little bit cheaper. Daniel Jones kind of does both of those this year. He really did check all the boxes for cash. But I guess the, the name bias gets in the way, and I have trouble just clearing that little hurdle. It's not a big one, but it's big enough when you're talking about looking for that safety, that floor. And he does have a decent ceiling this year as well. Now, when you're looking at the matchup, can't get any better. I mean, 23.49 points per game. The Cowboys are giving up to opposing quarterbacks. Only the, let me see this one, only the Washington football team has given up more points per game to quarterbacks on the main slate. So you got a great matchup, a pristine matchup. Again, the matchup's great. He's got the running floor. Uh, he's throwing the ball down the field and he's doing it with accuracy right now. I mean, we're seeing a different Daniel Jones, you know, all those preseason and camp videos of him just looking totally lost and everyone making fun of him on Twitter. I guess it amounted to nothing because now he's having a career year so far as, and uh, you know, I guess that is still relative to what his career has been, but Daniel Jones, man, he just looks, he's, he's stack worthy. That game is stack worthy. The pricing on the other side is, is delectable. I mean, we're talking 6-1 for CD, 6-3 for Amari. Dalton Schultz is down there. He's cheap enough. Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay. I mean, every single piece is affordable, and no one's looking like they're going to be too highly owned. Delectable. Mitch is looking at this game like it's a charcuterie board. I, I Daniel Jones, for me, if I wish that his face didn't look so much like a Duke basketball player because then it would be easier to, to like him. But, yeah, I, I'm pushing past that this week. Jared, what do you like for GPP quarterbacks? And so I'm going to use Cousins in GPPs, um, stacking him with Justin Jefferson for sure. I, I'd probably use Tyler Conklin maybe as the, you know, double stack there. I like getting the tight end in there uh, in my stack. And, you know, you can use DeAndre Swift or TJ Hawkinson as a run back there. Um, I also like Justin Herbert. He's a guy I'm just going to keep playing all season, I think. I, I just love that Chargers offense. Love the way he's playing. Um, I think Keenan Allen is a good stack there. Of course, you can also use Austin Eckler, Mike Williams. Jared Cook, so lots of options there. And then Tom Brady, I like as well. I mean, he, he's priced up. You know, he's probably a bit overpriced, which hopefully keeps his ownership down. Um, but I, I just think this is a game, you know, coming off a couple of down games for that offense and for Brady. Um, I think back at home against the Dolphins, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa puts up 40 on Sunday. It was mentioned on the cash side, but I like this Carolina-Philly matchup. Jalen Hurts at 7K, Sam Darnold at 6,600. Probably lean toward Jalen Hurts there, but I think they're both in play. Sam Darnold showed us the ceiling last week, so we don't have to wonder if he has that. They're both projected for single-digit ownership right now. We'll see if that changes, but I think there's enough to spread it around this week to keep it from getting too heavy on either player. Uh, so I like the ownership on both of them. I like the upside on both of them. Devontae Smith is currently at 3% projected ownership, so I like that for him. He's still affordable at 5,900. He's their number one wideout. You know, I don't trust him enough to put him in a cash lineup, but for the ultimate upside, he showed us 100-yard upside last week, and Carolina is last in the league in coverage DVOA against number one wideouts this year. There's game stack options on both sides. So if you're playing either quarterback and a stacked receiver, there are guys on the other side that look good. I, I'm especially attracted by Robbie Anderson, the GPP setup this week. He's at 5K. He's at 4% projected ownership right now. He's coming off 11 targets. So he had everything last week except the production. And, you know, maybe that doesn't happen again this week. But if he gets the same kind of use this week that he did last week, I think he'll probably at least be fine for us. 
Robert Woods got going uh, last night, so you know maybe Robbie can follow suit on Sunday. That's right. The wheels are squeaking. They're getting their grease now. Running back, Mitch, what do you like for cash? Uh, interesting slate, I think, when I'm looking at the pricing, especially as we continue forward. I don't think there's that many of these high-end players that I want to pay up for, honestly. There's only a couple at each position. And because of all the value, especially at the wide receiver position, which I know we'll be doing next, I'm finding a hard time not just slamming in Derrick Henry and just going from there. It just seems like it's too easy to get to him today or this weekend. And when we're looking at the pricing of the rest of the position, I'm slamming in Derrick Henry. I feel confident about it. And then down there in the 5K, 6K range, you have a plethora of options that really do look interesting. I don't think Chubba Hubbard is a terrible pick at 6K. I know he didn't have the greatest first game out. Uh, but you know, part of that had to do with Sam Darnold vulturing two goal line touchdowns. He's had four rushing touchdowns in the past two games, five in the season. Even if he if he doesn't get a rushing touchdown this weekend, and you do think that this team's going to be scoring on Philly, well, then you need to be investing in either a Darnold throwing the football for three touchdowns or Chuba Hubbard running something in because this team's going to score some points against the Eagles. So no matter what, I think you're on one side of it. You're either using Darnold with some stacks or you're using Chuba Hubbard. One way or another, they're going to score some points. So I like him a lot. I think he's a fantastic price tag at 6K. And I know that it's more, probably more of a GPP-leaning play, but I don't care. I'm okay with it. I feel confident in his week he's got coming up. I think a lot of people will be looking at Damian Williams uh, as well. He'll be a fine option. Alexander Madison, we need to keep tabs on what's going on with Delvin Cook. If Cook is out, he's a lock. You just start your lineup with Henry in the RB1 and then put Mass in the RB2 and you just go from there for the rest of your cash game build. So just pay attention to the inactives before Slay starts. Yeah, who knew Adam Gase was keeping Sam Darnold from turning into Steve Young? Jared, what do you like for a cash running back here? Yeah, I'm with Mitch on Derrick Henry. I mean, you know, especially with uh, Christian McCaffrey out again this week. You know, Henry, just easily the safest volume bet in fantasy right now. Um, I like Saquon Barkley at 7300 bucks. I, I think he's underpriced for – the fact that he's back to a workhorse role, he looks like he's back to himself. I mean, both of those touchdowns he had against the Saints last week were super impressive. So I, I think you know it's he's the Saquon Barkley of old, and you know that that should be an eight thousand dollar running back, you know maybe mid eights. So I think he's underpriced. Um, I think we also have to consider Smajay Piran just because he's four thousand um, dollars. I don't really want to play him, but I mean he he kind of makes lineups work at that price. I think he's going to be the pretty clear leader in carries on Sunday and the matchup's good against Green Bay. I do think Chris Evans will mix in on passing down. So that hurts a bit. Um, you know, if P Ryan was 5,000 bucks, I think he would be someone we didn't want to play in cash games, but at $4,000 for a guy who, you know, should get 15 or so touches. Um, I think he's at least worth considering. I, I don't think he's a must play, but I have, I have, you know, you think, I think you should make rosters with him just to kind of see what it helps you get in there. I get the case for him, but I think that I can find $1,200 to get up to Leonard Fournette, who I think is everything that I'm hoping Samaje Pirine is going to be probably a better bet for those pass targets. And he's in a much better offense. He's in, in three bucks wins. Uh, Fournette has seen 16, 15, and then 25 opportunities. So, you know, I'm not going to count on the 25 like last week, but we know that that's at least possible. I'll take 15 or 16 if that's what it is, especially if it includes four receptions. He's just RB 25 and PPR points so far. He's done that without scoring a touchdown though. The only running back ahead of him in the PPR ranks right now in total points is Chase Edmonds. That doesn't have a touchdown so far as Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds costs $700 more on DK. He's questionable this week. So I like Leonard Fournette in that range of running backs that are going to make you queasy. Not talking about guys that make you feel good, but it's 5,200 for a guy 
with upside and the, the matchup. I didn't even mention the Dolphins have allowed the third most PPR points to the position so far. So if even if he just punches one in and doesn't get as many touches, I'll take the chances for any of those eventualities. Mitch, what do you like for a tournament running back? Yeah, I was in, I was looking at it a little bit while you were talking too, and just looking at some of the cash options this week. It's going to be hard to get off of them in tournaments a little bit as well because nobody's ownership really looks like it's through the roof. So I think with the ownership being kind of flat, you're looking at more of an optimal approach to building your lineups this week and not really being concerned about ownership, not being concerned about leveraging anything. And you just want to build the best lineups that can outscore everybody else. And when you're doing something like that, you are starting to look at the matchups. This is when statistics and trends and things like that do come into play beyond just the correlation and how you construct your lineup. And I think these things matter this week a little bit more than they usually do. With that in mind, Detroit Lions giving up the most points per game to opposing running backs in the main slate. The next team, the Dolphins against Tampa, who you just mentioned, I mentioned Atlanta Fournette at 5-2. Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles are the third worst on the slate against Chubba Hubbard. And then you've got the Raiders against Damian Williams. They're the fourth worst. The next one, the Jaguars against Derrick Henry, and so on and so forth. You can continue to go down this list, and all of these running backs who are mid-tier price players, they're in phenomenal matchups. I see the path in GPPs, honestly, just kind of rotating around these different players. If you're firing off a single entry, you could probably even get away with slamming in Derrick Henry at 27 28% ownership, and it's not really going to hurt you. It's just not going to. There's so many other great options on the slate that I think ownership's just going to be flat across the board. Now, if you're really trying to get different, you're playing a Millie Maker, okay. Then we're looking at guys like Aaron Jones. You know, you want that awkward-priced upper uh, mid-tier type guy, or the second tier, I should say, running back, you know, 7'4", 7.6K, Austin Eckler, another guy there. They're all, you know, 10-ish percent ownership. They're not going to be too chalky, and they all have 30, 40-point upside in any given week. Aaron Jones with three receiving touchdowns. You can even get a little funky and use, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers with Aaron Jones and then running back on the other side with, you know, Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase. You can get, it, you can get interesting like that in those big tournaments. Jared, what you got? Yeah, uh, Aaron Jones is on my list here. Um, I, I do, you know, I think Mitch called it an awkward price. I agree. I think he's probably a bit overpriced at seventy nine hundred bucks. But I mean, J- Jones already has a forty point DraftKings game this season. He had one of those last year. He had two other games of twenty six plus DK points last year. He he just has that massive ceiling. And you know, coming off a couple of disappointing games now, he is going to be super low owned. So he's interesting. The other two guys interesting to me are the Browns running backs. Um, you know, the Chargers are a run funnel defense. They are much stronger against the pass than the run. It's by design, too. I mean, just how how they play. They keep those you know, safeties back. They kind of invite you to run. Um, you know, teams are running at the Chargers at one of the highest rates in the NFL. I'm curious to see if you know Brandon Staley changes up that game plan against Cleveland, who you know is is in my mind the best running team in the NFL. Um, but if they don't, I think Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt can both have big games here. And their prices are both down from where they've been most of the season. Chubb at 6700 bucks, Kareem Hunt $5,800. Um, so, you know, I think especially in Charger stacks, I like running it back with one of those Browns running backs. I was noticing the lack of real concentration in those ownership rates too, Mitch. And I think that I'm trying in that to look at the highest ceiling guys and not look so much at guys uh, comparing ownerships. I do like that Zeke is coming in at lower than Saquon Barkley coming off of Barkley's big game, especially because they both are coming off of big games. And Zeke Elliott costs $300 less than Saquon Barkley. I know that the downside is not as much receiving upside to Zeke, but he has the 100-yard upside. The Giants have been a positive matchup. They've been a better scoring matchup by our adjusted fantasy points allowed four running backs than Dallas has so far this season. 
So I think Zeke gives you that 100-yard bonus potential here. They've allowed two 100-yard rushers at the Giants so far, and Dallas is tied for the highest implied total on the slate. So it should be good game conditions for Zeke getting plenty of touches here. And again, it, regardless of his price versus Barkley, I think 7K is a good price for what Zeke has been as a producer and the touches he's gotten over the past couple of weeks after we worried about him coming off a of week one. Wideouts for cash, Mitch. What do you like? I think there's a lot, a lot of value here. And I'm going to go out at the very high end of the wide receiver spot because, you know, I was talking about a little bit before. I think that mid-tier of running backs is kind of where I'm going in cash this week on DraftKings. So I want to target the high-end wide receivers. A few of them I'm looking at, they just kind of pop off the page for me at the very top. Devontae Adams, hard not to go with a guy who has you know, just about a 15 or so point floor, even on a bad week. And he can go out there and win you every single game you're entered into head to heads, double ups and everything with a 40 something point explosion on any given week. Justin Jefferson had scored a 17.8 or more points in eight out of the last 11 games he's been involved in. The kid just keeps on scoring in a many, in a, a multiple different ways, whether he's, you know, racking up the yardage, getting the three-point bonus, getting the touchdowns, getting the receptions. He does it all now. He's really well-rounded. DJ Moore at 7.5K. I do not like the price tag, but my goodness, it's hard not to like the player. So I like him in cash as well. Deontay Johnson. I mean, mean, Deontay Johnson is literally the perfect cash game play. The guy is just a target hog, and he catches everything this year. He's not dropping passes like he was last year, and it's hard for me not to pay there at 6'5 for Deontay Johnson. If I do pay down this week, it would be for guys like Jacoby Myers. I don't mind him. You know, it's a guy who has nine-plus targets in three or four games. He is racking up mid-teens type points. Antonio Brown, I really like at 5.2K. I think he narrowly missed out on having an explosive game this past week. Looked like he dropped a touchdown. Could have had a second one, looked over the wrong shoulder at one point. We could be looking at a game where everyone saw Antonio Brown go nine for 150 and two scores, and his price tag would be 6.8K, 7K this week, and he'd be the guy everyone's using instead of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. So I like Antonio Brown down there at 5.2K. Tyler Boyd is down there as well. T. Higgins, LaVisca Chanel. The list goes on. There are so many really, really good price players this week, and everyone seems to be attainable depending on whatever your goal is, whatever you're playing, and however you plan on constructing your roster. I think it's a very easy week to build. We'll find out who did it right on Monday. Yeah, and if you do need even a little bit more savings or just another option in that range, LaVisca Chenault is near those guys at 4800 this week. Nicely priced for a top two receiver on his team. Terrific matchup against the Titans. Tennessee's a bad defense all around. They're providing the fifth largest boost to wide receiver scoring by our adjusted fantasy points allowed so far this season. Chenault led the team by four targets last week when they, of course, lost DJ Chark at the beginning of the game. Saw 29% target share in that game. Even got a deep throw. So we know that that's a thing. We know that that is possible. I don't know how much it'll happen, but we know that it's possible it can happen. It's hard to imagine Chenault falling outside the top two in targets among Jaguars going forward, you know, unless it's finally time for Tavon Austin to pay off. Jared, what do you think at cash wide up? Yeah, I like Chanel at that price. Um, I like Kadarius Tony, who I ended up using in cash last week. He, he's only up a bit to 4,000 this week. You know, he, he just stepped into Sterling Shepard's role last week, and Shepard was super productive in the first few games. Tony was productive, obviously, last week. Led the team with nine targets, caught six of them for 78 bucks, like that's for 78 yards. That's awesome usage for a, a receiver at $4,000. So I like him. And then going back near the top, Keenan Allen to me is still underpriced, six sixty five hundred bucks. Um, you know, he his fantasy production has kind of lagged the usage so far this season, but he is third among all wide receivers and targets. 
He's top 10 in both red zone targets and end zone targets. He's fifth in our expected fantasy points model. Um, so he is getting, you know, top 10 wide receiver usage. The production hasn't come yet, but I think it's going to come. Um, and we're, we're kind of getting that discount on him because he's disappointed so far. You can tell how highly Jared thinks of Kadarius Tony because he's just converting his yards to dollars right there in his words. Mitch, what do you like for the GPP side at wide up? Oh, well, I think a lot of people are going to be liking LaVisca Chenault down there. I think Kadarius Tony will be semi-popular because of the game stack that people will want to include him in. So if I'm looking to try to get a little bit different, I want to stay in that price range. Jalen Waddle, I actually think he's in a really interesting spot this week. Tampa Bay giving up the most points on the slate against opposing wide receivers. Their secondary is absolutely ravaged right now. And Devontae Parker is labored right now. I believe his hip is flared up again or hamstring, one or the other. And that means Jalen Waddle, and we already have Will Fuller on the IR, by the way. Don't overlook that. Jalen Waddle might find himself getting a little bit more of those intermediate targets, maybe down the field a couple shots, you know, not hovering around the line of scrimmage of the first down marker. So if Jalen Waddle can get, you know, peppered with targets against a team that I think will be playing from ahead, you've got a perfect scenario for him to go out there and get 12, 13, 14 targets and really splash if he can have himself a game. So I like Jalen Waddle down there. I'm really just trying to target some of those players that are centered around some other big names people are excited about. You know, Devonta Smith, I think, is sandwiched between a couple very popular options. I always try to look for those awkwardly priced players, right? Aaron Jones, he was that at running back. I think Devonta Smith is there at wide receiver. He's in between CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Kenny Galladay, Jamar Chase, and those four guys on either side of them, I mean, you could keep going a few hundred dollars more, and you're looking at Chris Brown, uh, excuse me, Chris Godwin, and A.J. Brown. So everyone I just named was within $500 up or down the salary scale, and he's just going to be sitting there in between them all against Carolina, a team not giving up a lot of passing yards or points to opposing wide receivers. But Devonta Smith is an elite route runner already in his rookie season. I already like uh, Jalen uh, Hurts. I like this game for stacks. So those are two guys that really pop off the page for me. I think they'll both be low owned. I think they have tremendous upside this week. Jared, what about you? Yeah, I love the Waddle call. Yeah, I, I'll be using him in my my Bucks stacks as the Dolphins run back. Um, I'm all in on AJ Brown though. Um, I, I I just I hope he just flies under the radar. Um, we'll see. I don't even know what his projected ownership is, but um, he he was a full go in practice on both Thursday and Friday. Not even listed on the final injury report. So you know that that tells us the hamstring should be behind him. Julio Jones out of this game. So Brown should be the target hog that we kind of were hoping he was going to be the season before the Titans acquired Julio Jones. And the matchup obviously is, is perfect. The Jags 32nd in football outsiders pass defense DVOA uh, football outsiders says them 24th in coverage against them run wide receivers. Um, and, and we know Brown is a high ceiling player. So hopefully he, um, you know, keeps flying on the radar and doesn't get too popular. That's who I have for all of those reasons. So I'm going to spin us ahead to tight end. And I, Jared, please, if a time machine comes about, do not tell past me that I'm about to say this, but it, it might be Mike Gusecki week. The Bucks are down two cornerbacks who are on IR. They're down Antoine Winfield this week, who has a concussion. Will Fuller is on IR. Devontae Parker is a game time decision. You have a guy's mentioned Jalen Waddle already. Coverage is probably Devin White's greatest weakness, so that's another potential knock for the middle of the field where Gasicki should be working. And the Bucks are 10-point favorites here, so there should be passing volume for the Dolphins. There's nothing to dislike, even for me, who spends the end of the week looking for reasons to dislike Mike Gasicki. I couldn't find anything this week. He's fifth in our dollars per point projections, and really the only reason he's not higher than that is because everybody ahead of him costs at least $500 less in DK salary, 
it should as long as he doesn't get hurt in this game he should at the very least be decent for us and the ceiling is very high as we've already seen with double digit targets from him in a game yeah the concern with Gasecki is there'll be some games where he'll just get phased out um for whatever reason but you know with Fuller an IR and Parker banged up like Miami can't really phase him out of this game and even Jakeem Grant already left town so they're they're setting it up it's the table is set for Gasecki day and it's I'm gonna feel bad by the end of it. Yeah, and whenever it's Kasiki day, that's when he busts. So that's that's why I'm kind of leaning towards Tyler Conklin in cash um, to save the seven hundred dollars. I do like Kasiki, by the way, but um, I'll I'll go with Conklin here to save the money. Um, you know that the production wasn't big last week, but he saw another six targets. Uh, he's eleventh among tight ends now in total targets. Uh, he set a season high in route rate last week at seventy three percent. Um, and you know, the lions of course are, are bad at defending everything. Football outsiders actually has them dead last in tight end coverage and they're 23rd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Mitch, what do you like at cash tight end? Dalton Schultz is kind of sliding in there a little bit above Jasicki for me. I, I do like Jasicki a lot. I mean, he's at 18 targets and 79 dropbacks from Jacoby Prasad. So he's getting a little over 20% target share there, which is phenomenal at the tight end position. I mean, that's elite level market share. So I do like Jasicki a lot. I think it's a perfect storm without Devontae Parker there as well and no Will Fuller. And they're going to be playing from behind. He's going to have to throw the football. So I like him a lot, but more so for tournaments because it is Mike Jasicki. He is very, he is, I think he is underrated athletically, though. I know we're kind of dogging the play but uh you know that Penn, the old Penn State you know tight end there he's, he's got some more athleticism than I think a lot of people think when they think of his name uh the player I'm really looking at though is Dalton Schultz uh, you know he's had seven and eight targets he had six in week one so it's not like he wasn't already included in the game plan now he gets the Giants giving up the third most points per game to opposing tight ends on the slate I really like his price tag at 4-4 one thing I always look for in tight ends very similar to my running backs is what is their equity going to be in is it a touchdown equity guy is he a ppr equity guy you know on DraftKings, i'm looking for that ppr equity well Schultz kind of covers both right now he's had three touchdowns over the past two weeks tight ends we know a lot of their their value comes from inside the red zone as well well this team is implied to score 29 and a half points so you've got kind of the perfect storm there someone who's catching the ball a lot being targeted a lot he's getting the red zone targets on top of that and the team is implied for 29 and a half points Schultz checks all the boxes at 4.4K. He's my cash play. My FFPC main event team hopes that you're right because I chose to play him over Tyler Higby for that stack with Dak Prescott. So fingers crossed for Dalton Schultz paying off. On the tourney side, a tight end for me. I like Noah Fant at 4900 bucks. I think that could be the awkward price for this position. We talked about that at wide receiver and running back. Fant's already led the team in targets twice this season, so we already know he's capable of doing that. It's a pass-funnel matchup against Pittsburgh. They play the run much tougher than the pass so far. Albert Okwegbunum is out, so we don't have to say his name for a couple of weeks at least. Cortland Sutton is questionable for this game after he hurt an ankle on Friday. So suddenly there's even more target upside to Noah Fant. I don't even care which quarterback is starting this game because he can work with either of them. He can work at any level of the field. I like the upside, and I don't think that the ownership is going to get too high on him, but we'll see where that goes Sunday morning. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be Bridgewater, which I think will be good news for Noah Fant. So, yeah, he's a guy I've been – I was all out on like two days ago, and now I really like him this week um, for all the reasons you mentioned, Matt. Um, so I, I do like Kasiki for tournaments. I like Robert Tunyon too, who no one's going to want to play because he's been a total disappointment so far this season. But, you know, first game last week without Marcus Vela-Scantling, season-high seven targets for Robert Tunyon, uh, season-high 83% route rate. Like, those are elite metrics for a tight end. He's fourth among tight ends in red zone targets with seven of them through four weeks. So he's still getting the chances. You know, he just hasn't converted them yet. We know how volatile 
touchdowns can be. So, um, you know, that, that Packers Bengals game has a pretty high over under, I think it's at 51. Um, it could be a sneaky shootout. And I, I do still think Tunyon is, you know, one of the better touchdown bets at the position. Yeah, this is absolutely the place where it makes sense to give him a shot. Mitch, what do you think at GPP tight end? Yeah, this one's an interesting one for me. It's Cameron Braid. He was even out-snapped last week by O.J. Howard. Howard only had one target, though. Cameron Braid had six. Had a couple downfield targets. Did not look on the same page with Tom Brady, though. But I think that is something that they can rectify. And we know Braid can already catch the touchdowns. Again, we know a lot of the value comes from inside the red zone for opposing tight ends, or uh, tight ends and uh, especially if they're, they're going to be at home and they're playing with a big lead and they're going to have a nice high implied team total. He's a nice price tag. He's got the GOAT at 44 years old throwing the football. It's just a lot to like there at Cameron Brait. So I'm going to be going with him as one of my favorite. Now, I'm not even joking. One of my favorite options on the entire slate this week. He's kind of right in there with the Jalen Waddle mix where I feel like some of these guys are just going overlooked. And I think we've got these perfect storms brewing for a few players this week. And, you know, we could be looking at a camera break, you know, mini Gronk type performance, maybe six for 60 and two touchdowns. Something like that would win you a million maker if the rest of your stack works out. I don't know if he can get there, but I also do like that as kind of a little bit of leverage off of Leno Fournette, whose value will also inherently be tied into being able to pound in the, the rock inside the five or something like that, you know, take away the red zone carry from him. If it goes to break in the, in the back of the end zone on a play action, you're, you're dancing in your living room on Sunday afternoon. So I like me some camera break. And to be fair for getting on the same page with this quarterback, Tom Brady's a lot older, so they're probably reading different books. Defenses. I like the Eagles starting out at 2,200 just for that price. And they're facing Sam Darnold, who it does still have some Sam Darnold to him, even though he's got fancy feet now. Philly's talented in the pass rush. It's inconsistent, but there is upside to get after Sam Darnold in this game. Washington at 2,300 if we're, if we're talking price two against Jameis Winston. The, Washington has stunk on defense so far. Have been one of the biggest disappointments in the NFL, you know, looking across positions, whatever. But they get Jameis Winston this week at 2,300 bucks. So there's enough upside there for it to make sense. Jared, what do you like for defense? Yeah, I was going back between Philly and Washington for who I, you know, wanted to write up for my cash game article this week. And I did go with Washington. Um, you know, they are at home versus, you know, the Eagles are on the road. Um, the Saints are missing two of their offensive linemen, too, left tackle and center. Um, and, and like you said, Matt, it's, it's still Jameis Winston. I mean, I, that, that Washington pass rush is still good. Like, I, I they're going to have a game here where they get, you know, five or six sacks. Um, and I think this is a decent time for it if they can force the Saints to, you know, pass the ball more than 15 times. Yeah, it's still talented, but they haven't really been getting it done. Chase Young is without a sack, but with no left tackle for New Orleans, this might be the time for it. Uh, Mitch, what do you like? Uh, I like the New Orleans Saints on defense. And in the same game there, I actually really like them for cash games this week. They are weirdly priced as the 10th most expensive defense on the slate at 3.1K, but they're averaging the most points per game, over 10 points per game in the season. And it's not like it came out of nowhere. This was happening in 2019. They were pretty good in 2018 as well. And all the way back to 2017, this defense has been solid for years. And now they're going against a team that is potentially missing Curtis Samuel and Diami Brown. Maybe they're going to be able to lock down or at least bracket coverage Terry McLaurin, and you've got a, a injured, a, at least a labored Antonio Gibson, who's going to move the football for Washington? So I really like the Saints defense. And no, it's not the greatest spot ever. Taylor Heineke has looked pretty good. I mean, the kid is not really turning the ball over like crazy. I think just three on the year, which is fantastic, coming in relief uh, halfway through the first game. So the matchup is pretty good for them. I don't think it's pristine or anything, but I, I think the upside and the floor is just kind of built in due to their talent. 
I think in that same range, I like the Vikings at $3,000. If I, you know, if I get to the end of my build and I'm like, oh, I can spend another seven, $800 on my defense. Vikings get uh, the Lions who are down at least two key O-line starters, their center, uh, their left tackle. They might be without Penny Sewell, who's questionable for the game. So, I mean, it really could just get ugly in that one. That is going to do it for this week five DraftKings podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com to get more player recommendations. If you're a DS insider, then you can check out Jared's cash game picks as well as top GPP options from Corey Bushland. You can also mess around with our lineup generator to build your own lineups with the help of the DS projections and fan share ownership projections. For more discussion of DFS and other formats, you can also join the free DraftSharks Discord. You can find the link to do that in the description for this podcast. For Jared Smola, Mitch Carl, and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.